0: Hi, good evening, Education Monsters. I'm here with my friend May, and she's gotten a diploma in accounting and management at the college, and she's now working in real estate in Montreal. Hello, May, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you already? Thank you so much. I'm awesome. And so we're here in Montreal to talk about mostly education, multicultural experiences. So can you please introduce yourself
1: and tell us more about your childhood and how you grew up? Uh, I came I came at uh, as an international student without a plan. At the beginning, I came actually quite late to be an international student. I came at 24. Originally, I came from Vietnam. In Vietnam, I already have a job, build up my um, social connection, build up my independency. I was very confident there in Vietnam with my job I was a teacher and it was very potential job there teaching English so I came to Montreal especially Montreal because of uh, my aunt she's here and she uh, offered me an accommodation and you know a trip to go outside of the of Vietnam and see the world and I planned to go out of the country just to see the world just to see the world and come back maybe with uh, a certificate in uh, teaching English as a second language but then when I came uh, I was rejected by Concordia because my bachelor in Vietnam was not recognized and I didn't plan anything like trust me I did the application but I wasn't planning exactly like what I wrote in the application for the visa so it was a shock because okay so you know the first goal was achieved. I saw the outside and what else right and there's a lot of expectation from the family my aunt started to expect me to live here my aunt immigrated here like 20 years ago my parents want me to stay here they really want me to have permanent residence here and build up my life here but it was a shame because you you know you you got yourself lost in a very new country where nobody knows you you are nothing I wasn't that good at English at the time at I couldn't understand people the level for a teacher in Vietnam to teach people is even lower than a local here there's no way for me to like pursue um, the job uh as teaching it's mm-hmm. a big disappointment uh, to me I, I was very disappointed about myself of not planning and with all of the expectation from my family like they asked me to change my career to this and that just to suit the purpose of immigration and I believe there's a lot out there you know they would immigrate by, you know, by any price Do you think there's a big social pressure in Vietnam because they picture Canada
0: as like a very wealthy country a country with lots of possible and how come they just pick Canada? Is it because of the outdoors is, is there something specific about Canada that they're really in love with?
1: The opinion would be very um, such, subjective just to the area of a family. Like in my family or in my town, it depends on the area in Vietnam. I was growing up in, in a village in Vietnam and then we moved to town and then the town getting bigger and more modernized. But like our family, we were working people we work in our life up and the way that we see you know the foreign country is something big some like we always admire people from the outside I was a teacher there in Vietnam I did my university there but I was nothing here to compare with people who are just in a working class but it's just because they are here there's it's not something that you can really compare because it's two completely different worlds <laughs> so um, my family in Vietnam my parents especially they got influenced a lot. lot from my aunt at the beginning I was under the pressure from both sides that I have to stay here by any price and what I see is I cannot live in a place where I don't know what I can be if I don't see a plan for myself if I don't see myself here I just cannot stay here and I was very ashamed to come back as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) very ashamed like (laughs) so um it Wait, took so me a what year. your what
0: was your thought process when you got rejected from Concordia? like did you just start to make other plans or did you just start letting things go and try to trust the universe yeah. in the present? it's gonna
1: take care of you no, no, there's no universe gonna take care of me, <laughs> but um. The, the only thing that I want to get through is the pressure from the family and I don't want to lose myself. So me a year and a half or about two years means I still do things to keep me staying here like doing courses like in language. I take from one English course to another English course and then to French courses it's all about languages to extend my visa and thinking about what I can do. You know, I really still want to do something mm-hmm. to get me out of the situation. So what are people escaping from in Vietnam? Poverty, social crime. What kind of social crime? crime? Well, it's not like social crime, but I would say civilization. It's, It's a lifestyle. It's the way of treating people. Me and my friends, we're in a circle that are a lot different from Vietnamese circle, where we try to adapt good things from the West. There is always good and bad thing from any mm-hmm. culture, but I won't take the freedom of the West as an advantage to do whatever. A person from a communist country like Vietnam, oh no, it's not a communist, socialist. They would just kill me if I say communist, They're socialist. They would take this benefit them, whatever is benefit them in each culture, right? This is not right. Like you can have Freedom in the West, but it doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want, right? That is not right. You really have to find your own culture and your own religion. So people in Vietnam who are rude to each other, uh violent. Violence is everywhere, but they encourage violence. You know, everything can be solved by a fight, you know, or the power of money. And, you know, they can just do whatever to you by, you know, violence. Yeah. Can you tell us more about the role between between male
0: and female in violence so is the violence only for men or is it for both male and female it's
1: more for the men because what i can see it's also because of education that's why i say education is very important they say the leaders of the country say that we are all literalized what do you say literate literate when 100 percent of the population went to school what do you call it yeah you call it literate like you can read yeah they ensure that 100 percent of the population are literally but in fact if you can read and write it doesn't mean that you can behave well so it's a lot about uh, perspective they're very hooked to old tradition, when the man always dominates the, the woman, see Vietnam on newspaper, if you see Vietnam for a movie, you'll see a very, very different Vietnam. It's not what I see every day. What I see every day is a man can drink whatever he wants and he would never go to, to work and he just, you know, not doing nothing the whole day and the woman will go out there and, you know, do the work and take care of the children. That's those images that I see or I what I see is... From a single family where the mother is taking care of an addicted uh, son he doesn't do anything he just is such a big burden for his mom stuff like that my father used to be uh, work as an um, officer to take care of the social crime in not in financial but in cultural like uh, prostitution addiction you know those things that cause bad habit to the society that used to take care of that and when he see things for real. And when he told me some of the story that was very hard to hear, I was little, but he told me that prostitutes, they do it because they have no choice. Mm-hmm. Like they're very young, they're innocent. The family pushed them to that path without them even know it just because of money. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like that. So the quality from men and women are very different, but you can see some cheerful stuff. I can tell you some cheerful stuff too. But I mean... <laughs> yeah, so...
0: so- you were talking about prostitution and since you seem to say that it's inevitable because of the current a system and the way society is made and so like the family pushed the little girls to become prostitute at a young age do you think the solution instead of forbidding this because it's obviously like so ingrained in the society should we have officers to try to regulate those professions because there's no good or bad way to make money you know there's always like trying to survive no matter what so how about you just reinforce the rules to to protect the woman to protect the girl so she doesn't get abused so she doesn't you know suffer from too much trauma
1: I am quite neutral about that. I don't agree. I don't against because I know that it is a job in in Japan is a big industry. But to me, if you put it in... If you if you if you put prostitution in a context of working, it's totally fine. They should have rights and obligation, and they should have benefit. They should have all the like social benefit to them. Because if you put it in a con- uh, context of work, but it's also I value more about the value of human being. Mm-hmm. It's okay that it's the way that you treat yourself, and you have all the right to treat yourself the way you want. But I won't encourage people to spread the idea of treating yourself that way. So for example. It's also pleasure. But we have good pleasure and bad pleasure. It's all uh, people are looking for pleasure naturally. And I would encourage a person to look for pleasure in reading a book, doing something else. I know that life is so hard for you to do so. It's not always, you know, served to you. But you should encourage people like that. I mean, like, I am very neutral. I'm not against. But if it's for me, I would encourage not to do that job.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but just- I, I,
1: if, if you have to do that job, then you should get, like you said, the law should reinforce more. Right and regulation for the person who work in that job yeah i I
0: think the issue comes from girls who are way too young to do it or girls who have literally like social pressure or family pressure from doing it so they're not choosing their job i mean you could also not choose your job and being in construction and just like killing your back and killing your knees and that's also a job that needs regulation you need to have some social benefits to help you out if you get hurt so shouldn't be the same with prostitution. If you choose to do it willingly, then you should also have protection. But the issue comes in when you don't have the choice and you're forced into it by your mom or by your dad. Those are very hard pressures, and it's very hard psychologically for the person doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. If we can see that it's hard for the person, then it's not by choice because it's not a hap. This is the protection because we cannot um, prevent something that is inevitable. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's the right thing. Yeah, it's just something we do because we have to to do mm-hmm. and we just cannot deny it but uh, we cannot go for it you know so, that's,
0: that's what it so what was your dad's role in that so did he have to go and stop people from doing it or was
1: he trying to tell people to not encourage them no he, he went to stop people <laughs> doing it mm-hmm. yeah it, it's you know like when you try to break um, a group of prostitution they, you know you just they have a team it's like in the movie you know you attack not attack but you know you're broken into a hotel or something Thing, and then you're going to investigate where's the actual organization and you have to start from the top because those worker they are, they just work for the money, you know? They, they manipulate it. My philosophy is it's quite simple. Like, even if you are a rapper, it's like if you are a killer, but if you see that it's not right, you always have the right to tell people that, that it's not right to do. It's not like if I am a prisoner, I should tell people, like, oh, let's just do it. It's fine because I am doing it. no. Even if you're doing something bad and you know it's bad, but you have to, but it doesn't mean that you have to tell people to do the same thing. It, people can do something better they let them do something better mm-hmm, for sure and who's choosing what's right and what's wrong the person
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: You, so, time, yeah. you are doing what is good What is you, what you think is right well for example if I am in a situation where I have to do bad things I think it is right for me to do this because I have no choice if somebody mm-hmm. else in that situation or I won't encourage them to do so because they are not me I am suffer from what I'm doing but they, they are not me me, right? So they should do thing that I think is right but it's also the the person's choice Mm -hmm, definitely yeah Yeah. so society is all like that it's a it's a bunch of uh, individual choices Mm
0: -hmm. so right now you have this distance because you're in Canada and you can see how growing up in Vietnam was not the healthiest because of all the social crimes and all the violence going on in the streets and it was not very safe for kids to grow up so do you think that you were always conscious because you had the education from your dad and also like there were talks about all this within your family or was that something that you sort of realized when you
1: came to Canada, like, oh, now I can see it's very different and it shouldn't be like this? Oh, no, it, it was in the family. Family is very important. The way I was uh, I was brought up, it's influenced me a lot of how I grow myself here. The root is very important. The family is very important. I have cousins. <laughs> they are bad. Like, not bad, but because, we, you know, when, when the parents love the children, they just love them. Or if they're not going to work, if they don't want to build their career, if they just doing nothing all day, it's fine. But I wasn't brought up that way. So it's very important that my parents told me what is right and what is wrong. They don't tell me to discriminate my cousin or hate my cousin or don't hang out with my cousin. They still let me hang out with my cousin. They just tell me to be careful. If my cousin doing was doing drugs, they just tell me like, do not, do not go with them in the late night. You still hang out with them in a proper time because they're your cousin. We have no hatred in the family because of different characteristics or different, like, very different lifestyle from one extreme to another extreme. But my parents never tell me to hate them, discriminate them, or scare of them or just to be careful. Do you think there's a type of loyalty because of blood connection? Yeah, very much, very much, very much. But also because my dad was dealing with them, you know, with people that are addicted, with people that was a prostitute and. What he told me, it's like it doesn't mean that they are very bad. Like he, he also, you know, he also deal with those those gangster on the street. When what my dad told me is they are just human. They want to to make some living and they have nothing else to do. So, but you know, some some people they can be very violent. You if you are right to them, they will be right to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very risky. Like, to me, I would say it's very risky because I don't have. I also have my mom's blood. She's very scary of those things. But my dad told me that uh, he was a soldier. So he told me that uh, they're good. If you do the right thing to them, they, sh- they should trust you. Have you met some gangsters? Oh, I have a relative who-, who is like that. I don't talk to him a lot. When we was in school, he was a very, very violent boy. He is a leader of a bully. You know, he's always bully person. I don't hang out with them. He will tell people that I am his relative. So, people just don't, you know, they don't do anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a self defense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hang out with them, but they never do anything to us. Mm-hmm. So, if you haven't
0: experienced the violence, but it's always like, oh, I've heard of, I've heard of these stories. So, does it make it even more scary? Because then you can imagine scenarios in your head because it's always more like the fantasy is always crazier when you have it in your mind rather than when you've lived it. It's
1: good to learn about a story, but it's it's, um, it's scary to me to learn from those stories uh, it's sort of like equipment to you it's like what you do with the, a dog the first time you just don't think that they attack you Sometimes they just don't want to attack you. You know, you don't think bad for people. You think that if it happened, what would you do? The first time I get into a car of a stranger, I always think about bad thing. But, and it's not about, it's not like I think about a bad thing for the person. I only think about the bad situation that could happen and what would I do? So it's just for me to prepare because the first few years when I lived here alone, I kind of like very much of um, like paranoid, you know? about oh if I go home this way I always change the way to go home because I'm going home late (laughs) if somebody just follow me like in a movie (laughs) and what would I do I always carry a pencil with me Just so I can, you know, defense myself if something happened out. And I will always, you know, cautious and pay attention. I don't think bad, but you know, you have to know how to react. How do you defend yourself with a pencil? You use the pencil. The pencil is very pointy. We mean the mechanical, uh, pencil. Maybe sometimes they are tall, but you know, you have to be proactive. I know. I, I didn't attend any class. But people, like we are animal. For example, if you if you think that somebody is following you, you let them know that you know. You let them know from far. that You look at them. You let them know that you are ready. Just, you know, you, if you have bad luck, then I don't know. But most of the time, you have to look like you are ready. For example, I was on the platform the first year here. And Metro, to me, was scary. Because there's no one to call for help. So I was very attentive to everything. If I hold something, I will hold it strong because I will, oh, okay, if the person comes from this way, what do I do? If the person comes from this that way, what do I do? And if I see people is coming to me, I'll look at them. I look at them like very straight. And, you know, sometimes you just show your reaction that you don't want. You just show them that you are very ready to do whatever you can run. You know, when you're ready, you can run. When when people see that you are ready and defensive, they won't do anything, mm-hmm. especially the, the bully one. They just want to bully you. They just maybe they're not that brave or most of the bullies are not brave. Brave for people They won't bully. Just show them that you're ready and you should be okay. Yeah, and
0: that comes from education. So we're talking about being prepared. And I imagine someone told you about those behaviors. So like how to react and also how to prepare yourself. Because I'm assuming that when you live in a dangerous place, so you've had ancestors, parents, sisters and brothers who've lived through the same thing because they're older. So it's instinctual to also teach your kids about protection. So it's not really something that we grew up with in Western culture, especially not in Canada. But I I know that my parents, so they come from Cambodia, they've lived through the war and they also had the same protective instinct to teach our kids, you know, don't open the door. And also like always close your windows and walk around with your keys in your, in your hands so you can defend. So I didn't have the pencil, but we had the keys. (laughs) that's great yeah my mom also like carried this uh, pepper spray I also have a pepper spray for myself but I I think there's this theme of you know when your parents live something really painful or some trauma they want to not have their kids being traumatized So they're also teaching their kids to be protective of themselves. Or, you know, when you walk alone, like you cough to look like you're sick and so people don't approach you. All these tricks of self-defense, like they also want you to look tough. That's why like yeah. kids like us don't get bullied. Like you said, it's very effective. But do you think it also is a difference of culture and the fact that our
1: parents have lived through the war that really changed the way we got educated? I really think that's just the hardship that they went through. Yeah, I really think the experience would change the culture a lot. My dad went through war too for example in the same in the same family my aunt my aunt have some sort of different perspective because she came as a refugee but she was um, sponsored by her husband who was a former captain of the old government right so those the people that work for the old government which is American government that was very tough for them to live in Vietnam after the revolution so the, the United Nations mm-hmm. UN yeah the United Nation brought them to Thailand to the camp and then tried to to ask like America or other developed country to take them as a refugee so my aunt, her children was living in the american control but it was beneficial from them so when they came here the way that they looked at the country the way that they looked at people are very different from what my dad does because my dad he was left in vietnam he couldn't go with them you know you have to follow the, the universe like you said you have to follow the universe he's ended up being a soldier for the vietnamese people for the vietnamese um government he he went to Cambodia to defeat the Red Rouge. Yeah, the Khmer Rouge. Uh, the Khmer Rouge. He was battling in the minefield. He was very lucky to come back completely. There's a lot of his friends come back incomplete. Yeah, definitely. My dad also told me crazy stories about the minefields
0: and how he just lost his best friend right in front of him. Like he just blew up. Right there, just blew up.
1: Because of that experience, especially, my dad would think about his life, the way he did his children, very different from my aunt. He still lived in a system, but he understand the good, the bad, and he understand war. But the war he experienced is very different from the war that my aunt experienced. It's not the same war. The war my dad experienced is the war when he had to go into battlefield and seeing his friends dying. My aunt, she was in the war, but, you know, she was losing the good things because of the revolution. People are seeing different things in war and people care about what they lose. It's not about, again, about about political issue, there's no right government. Like they don't go for a gov- the government because they're doing something right. I think they go for the government because that government doing something for them. Current government here in Vietnam give my dad something and we will work with that. You know, we, we live with the system. But to my aunt, it's a loss for her. So she always keep the hatred with them. Mm, did she never go back? Yeah, she went back to, to visit the family, but she doesn't like it. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. She brought me into the the organization where they're against uh, the Vietnamese government here. Who's so scared? <laughs> I just came to the country and already I am a betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, remove my picture. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
0: so what's that organization? Can you tell us more? Is that in
1: Montreal? Is in Montreal. isn't It's in Montreal. It's the Vietnamese people that came before a revolution. What's the colonies so, mm. I, I only know that they are the Vietnamese people before 1975. Mm-hmm. And they're very different. They are totally extreme. They think that they, they lost the country. They think that they lost their homeland to some sort of socialist people that we all Vietnamese. It's, I mean, like, it's like the same thing with the Khmer Rouge.
0: Yeah. And also Canada is pretty socialist, especially compared to the US. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, So, it's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. But again, I think education is something you can get from a lot of sources. It's not just from school. I didn't learn a lot from school. I wasn't a good student. I wasn't good in my... In my university, I didn't attend class much, but I learned a lot from books. I learned from social experience. I learned from reality. And I think that equipped me more than the book smart people. Yeah, I feel like school gives you a lot of theory,
0: but in in the end, like you always learn your job as you go. (laughs) So this is like a very powerful message here on this podcast is that you're not considered Dumb if you don't go to school you can be really really smart and not go to school because it's a choice so school yeah. you like the theory but it doesn't make you intelligent
1: no no definitely and you have to be rational like critical thinking it's something that you don't really learn from the school right away critical thinking it's very important to a person and you can only get critical thinking by learning from If you think that you just learn from school, that's never be enough. You have to learn think critically, like
0: rationally. Mm -hmm. And we're also talking about war survivors. So those are skills that you'll never learn in school. And hopefully, like, you don't have to learn it because it's pretty traumatizing. But this is a form of intelligence. It's the adaptability. And so that's why... I think my parents when they came to France they were so successful at being flexible because when you're at the war and you like you've lost your house, you've lost your family, like half your family members died so you have to keep on going, you have to be flexible with life, you can't just expect life to follow through with your plans, that's why I think that the universe has this purpose that you can't control everything sometimes you just have to let go and learning this flexibility, like learning a new language when you're in your mid-twenties learning like skills and you haven't gone to school because the war happened when you were Teenager. Survival makes you learn more than school
1: can because Um, of the stress. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that is actually a part of um, revolution. So it's very like natural selections and things that that would help a lot. And I agree with you that um, the ability to adapt to your surroundings is the most form of intelligence mm-hmm. that's,
0: that's also exactly what happened to you when you didn't get accepted to concordia and then now what's next like we're not just crawling in bed and doing nothing we're like finding what's next <laughs>
1: yeah exactly what is next always always what
0: is next? And so i had this question for you because you know i heard that in, in the vietnamese language they don't have to, the conditional so they don't have for example um if it had been sunny we would have gone to the beach There's no alternative reality. If I had succeeded my exam, I would have become an engineer. There's no hypothetical tense in the Vietnamese language. So it's mostly things happen or things have happened. It's not like if things could happen. So what do you think about that? And, you know, there's like a difference of mentality because they don't think about regrets. Like they don't feel like they missed out on something in the past. They just Mm consider what happened in the past tense and then they move on. And then what's the solution
1: now? You might have read in some book that the grammar was simple but if you do because I did I did a class in Vietnamese grammar it was very hard I was struggling so a lot of people fell. also because of the spelling mistake mm-hmm. but they don't have tense we don't use tense but to people who have poetry soul they would use words to describe it's like adverb to describe exactly the conditional mm-hmm. yeah you will see it more in book Not a lot in a regular conversation, but in books, I can translate the conditional exactly in Vietnamese. So there is words to describe the condition, but they don't use it a lot. To them, it would sound very fake. (laughs) It would sound very fake because like you said, to them, things happened already. Why why would you talk like that? You know, why would you have to talk like that? It's just, just, you know, it's so fake because to them, things are already we have like t- casual <laughs> they would say and if you're too polite they will think that you're fake so what is it because we have the same in the Cambodian
0: culture like they value honesty a lot so you know if you're ugly they'll tell you to your face like and for western culture it's not really appropriate to come to someone and be like you have so much acne you should uh, put this cream you know it sounds rude but somehow in our culture like it's just a normal thing especially for the older generation who care a lot about for example beauty standards for little girls so this is something i grew up with like don't be too fat
1: like they will just like tell it to your face just say it or you are too fat yeah (laughs) yeah if you did something you admit it and you move on you just don't say like if i could have done that the other way no they (laughs) that that is it's too much to them to accept it Mm -hmm. so you that's why you don't have the concept of using conditional a lot in a regular conversation because that's reality and like you said they are very rude with the way that they describe yourself it's more like Verbal attack to me. <laughs> it's like verbal attack, you know, you know, like you have physical violence and you have verbal violence, and those are really like verbal violence to my ears because yeah. they're, they're very direct. that's the culture. That is very much the culture.
0: Yeah, I always wondered why I felt so offended when I was young because I could tell that those words hurt. but somehow, if I had grown up, for example, in Cambodia, would I found it normal? Would I normalize it? But since you
1: grew up in Vietnam, you also thought it was not normal. It's like it doesn't hurt me that much, but I know that it's hurtful word. I would not say thing like that to somebody that's more vulnerable than than me or more fragile than me. Like they cannot attack me anymore. You know, you grow some, you know, thick skin, but it's the same. Still, it's still hurting people. You know, it's still hurting little kids. But now I just read recently, uh, in some TV channel, they started to adapt some uh, Western storyteller channels where no, they would provoke the emotion from parents and children so that they can talk to each other openly. So they would care about real things, like about feelings more than appearance. They would care about what they want, what they actually think more than just the expectation. I just saw that channel now, like, a viewing, like, airing in Vietnam recently. So it's a good sign that the whole generation, my, like, my generation or younger than me, like, my brother's generation, they're starting to adapt good thing to provoke the emotion. We don't really have um, EQ there. Emotional mm-hmm. intelligence.
0: Absolutely. Does, also, yes. uh, May, you were mentioning a lot of movies before, and I just wanted to... Ask about your opinion. Have you seen Angelina Jolie's movie, First to Kill My Father? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, so it's funny because it's a movie that speaks that sometimes have Cambodian words. Mm-hmm. No, totally in Cambodian, no?
1: It would, the crew, no,
0: the, it's her crew, her own yeah. crew. She was the re- director. Oh, yeah, but like what language was the movie? What's the original language? Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's English. It's English. So the movie was in English, but somehow. They also put Cambodian words in it. So I remember because I could not understand. I could not understand anything about that movie. And you know why? It's because they talk too much about feelings. Like, oh, I'll miss you. Or like, oh, uh, you're such a good little girl. And I'm like, never have I heard those words coming from my family's mouth. So that's why I'm not, I don't know the vocabulary. I just know, like, eat rice or like, you know, go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I was so confused I was like is there a different dialect? Yeah, yeah, yeah (laughs) So I literally had to put subtitles and be like no, this is so fake this is (gasps) hot this is like An American speaking through some Cambodian-looking actors. But this can't be like what my reality of growing up as a Cambodian
1: See, that just proves my point again that if you see my Vietnamese movie, you wouldn't see what I see. Like, I wouldn't see what you see from your like real family. yeah? Yeah. But interesting. Very interesting. That was a good movie. I kind of connect more of all the pieces that I understand about Khmer Rouge and the Vietnam War and how it happened. And when I read a little bit, I don't really remember now, but I kind of have a clearer picture of them uh, or how the event happened.
0: Yeah, it's also good to have these historical fictions because, you know, I grew up uh, with uh, my family telling me that, oh, Vietnamese people are really bad, like they've treated Cambodians really bad. And my grandmother was telling me stories of how she saw Vietnamese people forcing Cambodians to bury a big hole. And then three of them had to be buried uh, close to each other, like so that their heads would form a triangle and they would cook a pan on their heads and put the fire in the middle so they would just cook alive so those are the things that she either witnessed or heard about and so she always warned me and my sister oh don't hang out with Vietnamese people they're bad but this was like in Paris and I'm like I don't see why there should be a discrimination here where it's not the same time and place that happened in your youth you know you can't have a bad experience but you can't carry on to an entire population
1: yeah I do not doubt your grandmother because in war that's very bad thing there will be thing that we could never imagine so I won't doubt them Yeah, the same thing with the people. My, my aunt, she told me story about how the Viet Cong treated people like her husband. They are Vietnamese, right? They are all Vietnamese. So how Viet Cong treated my, like her husband, if they cannot get out of the country, it's just because they were working for the American and very, very bad. How bad? Very, very bad. Sorry. Very bad. Very, very bad. Like it was like 90% like what, what you heard from your grandma that bad (laughs) okay so um since you've been in
0: montreal have you been able to loosen up and Try to not always be on your guard.
1: Yeah, when I'm more confident, when I when I get in more of my confidence, even in a way that I behave to my surrounding. I didn't really want to make friends. I mean, like I make social friends, but I didn't want to make friends because I had to work to support my uh, my studying, and I had to save time to work and for my own accommodation because I lived with my aunt for only two years. And when I decided my path, that okay, so that I'm gonna start it study accounting here and I'll grow from that. So I did a lot of things by myself. There was a little, I can see myself growing from year to year. I can see how myself can be more relaxing from year to year. So now I am at the point that I have a degree here. I didn't have a degree before. I have a job here in a Canadian experience because I used to work in a nail salon and that is a completely different environment. It's just so hard in there. So I started my job here with the Canadian experience, with the Canadian people, seeing good things, bad things. And I start to relax myself. It's not because I am smarter. It's just because I think that I am stronger. So if I got hit, it's okay. It won't break me. Risk still out there you know never, never stop stop will happen you know this hot water tank will break and the other hot water tank will break again <laughs> so you cannot be smarter Thing cannot be better it's only you gonna get better so when I feel myself okay I'm getting better of this I can handle this kind of pain I can handle this kind of disappointment if I can handle this situation the more I can feel like oh I can handle it I am more relaxed let it be you know if something come to me okay fine I'll see it I'll accept
0: it yeah I totally agree with you and thank you so much for sharing your experience with us on education
1: monsters May do you have a last piece of advice for listeners like I said it's it's always good to defend yourself and it's always good to learn how to protect yourself but sometimes you know letting your emotion out open yourself a little bit just so people can see you and learn to trust people because when you trust yourself people can trust you when you trust them they can trust them too Mm -hmm. that's awesome and so pretty thank you so much (laughs) okay no thank you for giving me an opportunity to share people would have different experience but uh, in eight billion people out there we definitely will have some you know same soul Mm -hmm. yes thank you i hope to see you soon on this podcast thank you thank you i wish you uh, all the best thank you
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Education Monsters. I hope you liked it. If you'd like to take a French lesson with me, don't hesitate to go on the Education Monsters website to book a class. I'll be super happy to get to know you and we can practice languages together. Don't forget to subscribe to the website and you'll get a notification when a new blog article comes out. Last but not least, please 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 consider making a donation to my Patreon account. This education project means so much to me and I'll greatly appreciate it if I can have your support. Thanks again and I'll see you for the next episode on Thursday.